Well, Mike, it's great to see you today. Good and, to see you. Frank. As always, uh, since uh, we were here last time, I, I, just, I got a, a glimpse of the cover, the top of this thing that you're building. It's just amazingly beautiful. Tell, tell us what you've been up to. Okay. Well, uh, with the top, I, I ran those pieces of wood through saws, through one type of planer, through another type of planer, straightened the boards and smoothed the boards and flattened the boards, and then we glued all the boards together. And, and then after the boards are together, then we start flattening it out and, and straightening it up and cutting it to size and then sanding it. And it goes through several sand processes and so then after the sanding, then we lead into the stain. And uh, the stain accentuates the, the grain and protects it, fills it, and uh, then from there, we varnish the wood. So part of what you're saying is that, you know, you look at the, the wood and I'm looking at the top of this table, yeah, it's yeah. just so amazingly gorgeous. So the stain has a, what it does is it, it makes it beautiful so you sure. can really see the grain. Yeah. But it also protects it some. That's, that's, that's what you're true. It, it protects it to a great deal. The, the, the protection is as big a part of it as the, the beauty. But luckily, it, it, it's one item does both things, protects it and brings out the, 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 the inner beauty of the wood. Now, one of the things that, that you and I have talked about is, is uh, how amazing this whole process is mm -hmm. and how it reminds us of some basic Christian principles, sure. right? Yes. That, that Staining the wood is, in some ways, like the blood of Jesus covering us, covering us sure. yeah. uh, protecting us, yeah. preserving yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think too uh, in this little message series that we're doing about how part of the power of God in us is to allow the beauty that He has put, put into there. us yeah. to really come out. Yeah. And boy, you really see that in this wood. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's becoming obvious that I'm building a table and we've, we've discussed and gone over the top, and so now I'm building a metal frame. This steel, I cut it to length, and then I uh, put it together in a frame and uh, forged half laps over the two pieces. So when we do this, we have to heat the metal to something over 2,000 degrees. When it's bright yellow, it's 2,200 degrees and it's highly malleable. When I say that, that means I can take a large hammer and beat it and deform it. So I laid those pieces together and I deformed them into to half joints. And then after that, I heat, I cut the ends and I form it into a fish tail. So there's 12 fish tails on this table, four on the back and, and, and four on each end. And, uh, what you've talked about is a process where you, you, you take the steel, the steel is one shape, yeah. but you gotta, you said make it malleable, yeah. which means you can move it some yeah. then, right? Deform it at least. Okay, yeah. all right, and, and that takes a whole bunch of pressure and heat pressure to make something like that happen. And, and when I heat the metal, when I get it yellow hot, as soon as I take it out of that fire, I got about 45 seconds that I can form it, mm. and it will go from bright yellow to dull, dull red, and when it hits that, I just might as well not hit it again. I'm not gonna change anything. So then it's gotta go back into the fire. So Mike, the end result of this will be a table that is very beautiful, but also very strong as well, yeah? That, that's my intent. And I, I want a table that is 
aesthetically pleasing, it's extraordinarily strong, and will stand the test of time. I've created something that when I'm finished with this table, I would rather that people would look at it and say that it was, it's a great thing that, that I pointed these materials and their shape and this project to reveal the generous God that gave me the ability to mm. do it. Mm. I love that. And, and that means you, you're, so you're trying to make a generous table, huh? I'm trying to make a generous <laughs> table. I love it. What a great concept. How wonderful. So you're really, you're just using what God has given you. Absolutely. And molding these pieces and products together to make something beautiful. But the point of it is to point people back to God. Right. Uh, it's just a beautiful gift, Mike, and I just, I, it's just a wonderful reminder that, that uh, you know, as we've been going through this series about the power of God to renew us, yes. you've taken old pieces of wood that look like nothing that most of us would have thrown away, you've taken steel that by itself is like, okay, that's steel, that's steel. And, and you've molded it, you've shaped it, you've cut it, you've forged it, you've stained it, all this that you've done, and it's just become this incredible beautiful thing that truly does represent our generous God and as long as that table stays in the house of God it may look that way a hundred years wow a hundred years from now wouldn't that be awesome Woo. that's God that's God and God doing all his amazing work can I get an amen from somebody huh <laughs> amen. <laughs> Mike I love you I praise God for you and thank you for the cherished friendship that we have thank you Frank and the journey that we've been on together for and a long time a long time, and what a gift you are to me and to anybody that meets you. And you to me. Well, it's, it's a great joy and privilege, Mike. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. What a gift. Uh, and uh, if you haven't figured out, this is the project that Mike was working on, and we're going to reveal it to you today in a little bit. And um, it's uh, just a, a, it's a great illustration, I believe, of the point of what we've been trying to talk about over the last couple of weeks in this little series called Renew. And the idea behind Renew is that every single one of us really, in our, in our hearts, in our deepest place, we really recognize the need for renewal. Because we have challenges in life, we have things that, that we run into, obstacles that we come across, that we feel beat down about. There's no doubt people in this room this morning that are beat down for whatever reason, uh, and, and you feel that sense, but man, I really need some renewal. I'm in a dark place. I'm in a hard place. I'm dealing with stuff at work or stuff in my family, stuff with my finances, stuff with my health, whatever it is. And man, I need renewal. And that's really why this series came about as our worship team began to think about the first of the year and, and you know, how everybody wants to get uh, their New Year's resolutions out. And, you know, we know the statistics say that New Year's resolutions only last a couple of weeks. Uh, but let's think about the deeper things, which is about our relationship with God and how God has the power to renew us every single day. Can I get an amen? That's the power of God. And so in the first week, we talked about worship and how worship really needs to be key to our lives. Worship not just on Sundays, but more importantly, every single day of the week, 365 days a year, that we need to focus our lives in such a way that the things that we say, the things that we do, the actions that we take should reflect this love of God that we have. We, we, we help people see God by worshiping God everywhere we go. And then last week I talked to you about the power of forgiveness and, and that forgiveness is one of the keys to living a life following after God. 
because God forgave us of our sin and how God expects us then to invest in forgiveness for other people. And it's hard. It's a challenging thing for us to think about because very often we don't want to give forgiveness to somebody for something that they've done. But God says, if you want me to forgive you, you've got to be forgiving of somebody else. And Mike reminded us, we talked a little bit about it in the video, about how the stain that's on this table that you're going to see in a little bit, uh, when we put the stain on, part of what the stain literally does is it surrounds every little cell on the surface to provide protection for it. And it brings out its natural beauty. And, and that's a, a great reminder of the blood of Jesus, that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, His blood fills us. It protects us. It sustains us. And that's why forgiveness is part of the key to being renewed every single day. Receiving, again, the forgiveness of God every day. And, and, and working at forgiving other people when they disappoint us or hurt us. And so the, the last part of this series, Mike talked about it at the end. He said uh, that part of what he wanted to do was make a generous table. And I don't know about you, but that may be a little bit of a foreign concept to us. Well, how is a table generous? Well, he said it well uh, in the video that when you take all the pieces of it, uh, that it does a wonderful job of pointing us to this generous God that we have. So I want to talk to you today about generosity, the third subject of this little series, the last part of it, and about how generous our God is. Are you aware of how generous God is with you? In order for us to think a little bit more deeply about God's generosity with us, I, I want to take you back to a time 3,500 years ago, 3,500 years ago, when God called a man named Moses to lead the people of Israel to freedom. The Israelites had been enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years. Generations of people had lived and died under the oppression of the slavery in Egypt. And the cries of the Israelites were finally heard by God, and God sent Moses and raised Moses up to lead them to the freedom that they needed for their lives. And as the story unfolds, Moses leads the Israelites out, and, and they spend the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness, following after Moses, Moses leading them to the land that God had promised them. And what you find when you search the Bible is that the book of Deuteronomy then becomes Moses' last words to the people of Israel. We know that the mantle of leadership is getting ready to be passed from Moses to Joshua, who would lead them into the promised land. And so Deuteronomy becomes this wonderful uh, treatise, if you will, this wonderful gift to us of wisdom from Moses saying to the people, these are the things that I want you to remember as you go into the promised land. And just before the verses that I'm going to read to you right now, Moses has been speaking about this land that is flowing with milk and honey. And, and you understand that the imagery that Moses is using, think about a land that is literally flowing with milk and honey and what that might look like. Moses is trying to help the people of Israel understand that this place is filled with great bounty that God wants to give you. And so we pick up the passage after Moses has just been talking about this wonderful land of plenty and I'm going to read it from Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 through 20. I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. 
When you have eaten your fill, Moses says, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it is so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me invite you to reflect with me for a few moments on what Moses is saying to the people of Israel. He begins by saying, be thankful for what God has done. Don't forget what God has done. He says in verse 11, beware, which is another way of saying don't forget. But the word beware is literally a word that in Hebrew refers to the word that would describe putting a, a hedge of thorns around your precious vineyard or a hedge of thorns around your precious home to protect you from in, intruders. And Moses says, beware. In other words, put a hedge around your memory so that you don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't become proud because of what you've accomplished, forgetting what God has done. And isn't that one of the pitfalls of life in the society that we live in here in these United States, the wealthiest nation in the world? Isn't it one of the pitfalls that we can look at what we live in or look at our bank account or look at life and, and all of our stuff and say, wow, look what I have done. And Moses says, beware. You need to protect your memory to remember that that's not something that you have done. That is something that God did through you. Because you couldn't do it if God hadn't planted in you all the things that God has given to you to have the ability to prosper in this life. It's one of the things, as I pondered this passage this morning, that has been so impactful for me when I uh, was able to go on those mission trips that I've been on to Kenya. Because in Kenya, the, the national average of, of wages, of, of annual earnings, is 350 bucks a year. Think about it for yourself. 
how would you live on 350 bucks a year? And what that says to us is that by our standards, by American standards, the people of Kenya are incredibly poor. They have very, very little. But you know what I loved most about being in Kenya? was the witness that they gave to me about the power of God in their lives. Here I am, this American, uh, I've got all this wealth, I've got all this stuff, and I'm going to go serve the people in Kenya. And what happened to me in Kenya is I got humbled because I saw the people of Kenya who had very little, and they praised God in the midst of it. What a gift to me. Uh, how amazing to see some of those taxis in Nairobi, uh, a, a beater car that, that you might not even drive, that somebody's using as a taxi because they were able to cobble together a few dollars to eventually buy a car, and they spray paint on the side of the car, I'm a taxi for Jesus. Or they have a little Coke stand. They, they're selling Cokes at some little place stop along the way and at the top of the coke stand it doesn't say coca-cola it says i love jesus what a witness to me and to all of us about the power of god even in the midst of poor times and moses says beware look out you are going to be lulled into thinking that you're all that because of your wealth and because of what you have, and because of what you've done, beware. It is God who has given you all that you have. Don't forget, he says in verse 15, who it was who led you through the wilderness with snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. And oh, by the way, how it tells us in Exodus 17 when the Israelites were in the wilderness that, that they came to a place a million people. Can you imagine the, the, the support that a million people need, need as they're wandering in the wilderness, the food and the water. And they get to the place only a couple of months into their time uh, when, they're, when they've been released from captivity and there's no water. And Moses says, remember how God brought the water out of the rock. Can, can you get that in your minds about water gushing out of a rock, that that was the provision of God's sweet Beautiful water, enough for a million people to survive. Moses says, don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget how he fed you with this strange food that they called manna. And, and you've heard before that word manna is a word that, that literally means, what is that? It, it, it showed up in, in, the, in the dew of the morning. And people, as they wandered out of their tents in the morning, when it first happened, they were looking at it and they say, what is that? And, and oh, it turned out to be the sustenance that their lives needed. And day after day after day, wherever they moved uh, the people of Israel, the manna showed up every single day. God provided for them through this strange food called manna. He says we must humble ourselves. We must not be proud about what we have or who we are or what we've done or what we've amassed because God is the one who's given us the gift to be able to engage in this activity, to do those things. We must ask ourselves the question, what I have is a result of me or is a result of God working in me? 
And I hope that you hear the big difference between those two. Is what you've got the result of you, or is it the result of God working in you? Moses says, remember him who put power in you in order for you to succeed. And, and he reminds the people of Israel, as I would remind you today, that the purpose of the succeeding was to remember the covenant that God had made with the people of Israel. Do you remember that? Uh, Moses goes up to the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments, and this covenant is established between God and the people of God. And the covenant is simply this. If you follow me, I will never leave you alone. If you follow me, I will never leave you alone. And Moses says, all this stuff that you've got is intended to remind you that God is in the business of providing for you. And as long as you and I follow God, we will never, ever be alone. But, Moses says, if you forget, if you forget and start worshiping other gods, if you turn away from me, then you will be destroyed. And this word destroyed in the Hebrew essentially means destroyed in English. It means you're gone, you're done, there's no more of you. If you turn away from me and stop following me, you will be gone. In a thousand years, think about it, a thousand years after Moses said these things, the nation of Israel was destroyed. In five 86 and 587, the Babylonians came and laid siege to Jerusalem, and they, they sacked it. They utterly destroyed it. They raped and pillaged and destroyed and killed and carted off people to Babylon. That was the end of the nation of Israel. And what you find from the Testament of the Bible is the Bible says the reason they got destroyed was they turned their backs on God. They forgot about God. They didn't remember. They didn't put a hedge of thorns around their memory to always remind them that they are who they are because of what God has done in their lives. It's really a theme that is woven throughout the whole of the Bible. In fact, the very beginning of the Bible, that story of Adam and Eve, right? The, the first couple in the Bible... That God puts them in this garden, and it's this lush garden, and it's a beautiful place. And God said, all this is yours. All this is for you. You have this prosperous life. I've given it all to you. Have fun. Good luck. God bless. Take care. Right? And God says, but, oh, there's one thing. One thing that I ask of you, and that is don't eat of this tree, the fruit of this tree that's over here. And and I, I can only imagine what it would have been like from Adam and Eve to be walking around the garden. There's animals and there's trees and all this stuff, and they're having this amazing time. And they walk past that tree day in and day out, and they're like going, well, what's the big deal about that tree? Why can't I eat of the fruit of that tree? And they begin to process it so much and think about it so much that they finally get to the point where they say, you know what, I, I, the garden, he said the garden is ours. Why, 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 why do we need to stay away from that tree? And you know what they did? They went and they ate of the fruit of that tree. And, and, and then God showed up and said, man, you, you disappoint me so much. I asked you to do just one thing. And you thought you were God, that you knew better than me. And you decided on your own to turn away from me and go your way. And because of that, 
you're going to have a lot of hardship in your life. And, and lest we forget, let's remember that the story of Adam and Eve is not about just them. It's about us. It's our story too. It's about how we let pride get in our way. About how we sometimes think, wow, look at me. I'm all that. I've got all this stuff going on in my life. Look how great I am. And when we begin to do that kind of thinking in our lives, we, we begin to lead ourselves to a place of destruction and desolation. It's a consistent message of the Bible. God said through Moses, look, I'm incredibly generous with you. I've given you everything you've got. You should not forget that because I will be your God as long as you continue to follow me and don't turn away. Would, would you, would you be willing to say this morning that, that God led you out of slavery? That another way of saying that would be, would you be willing to say that God led you out of bondage? Well, I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, there have been times and places where I felt like I was tied, I was in bondage to a particular thing, a particular circumstance, a particular issue, and, and I couldn't shake it. And, and what God does in those times is God waits for us to come to him and say, God, I can't deal with this. I don't know how to break this destructive cycle in my life. And we got to turn our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And, and when we do that, Jesus begins to transform us and break the bondage that we experience in our lives. There's no doubt some people here today, some people that are watching at home today, there's no doubt many people in this room watching at home who are suffering from bondage to something. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or porn or money or sex or whatever it is. There's bondage there that you think you've got to have that in order for your life to be filled, and you couldn't be more wrong. The fulfillment that you and I desire and long for has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you following Jesus today, my friends? Jesus is the answer to all of the emptiness that people experience in life. We talk about it around here that, that God-shaped hole that everybody's got that can only be filled by God. It can only be filled by the power of Jesus Christ. And so let me invite you today that, to recognize th that Jesus is the answer to the needs that you and I have. And if you've drifted away from God, if you've drifted away from Jesus, and you come back today because you're like, you recognize, man, I've drifted away. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you might be watching today. Because what it does is it acknowledges that you recognize that you need God. And, and it's part of what is wonderful about God. J.R. said it when we were singing that no matter what happens in life, if we go back and turn our, turn our back on the bad things and turn toward God, that every single time God takes us back. Who does that? This generous God that we have does that. Every time we turn back to him, he says, man, I'm so glad you're back. I've been waiting for you the whole time. Have you made the decision to become a follower of Jesus? Ha have you absolutely said, God, I need you? Have you opened your heart? Have you put Jesus on the, the, the throne of your heart? The, to say, Jesus, I want you to lead me. I, I, I make a wreck of things myself. I don't know how to lead my life. I need you, Jesus, to help my life be fulfilled. So if you've not done that before today, I want to ask you to do that today. I want to ask you to get off the fence, as I say many, many times. I want to ask you to quit doubting about who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. 
He's the only Son of God. He was given to us so that we might follow Him and because of the life that He gives to us, lead us the way through this life and into the life that is heaven. That's the gift of God. That's the power of God working in us. And if you've not ever done that before today, do it today. Don't, I, I give you full permission to tune me out for the rest of the time that I'm talking and say, and, and just do business with God. Because nothing that I say is going to make any difference in your life if you don't experience Jesus as the Lord of your life, the leader of your life. The only way to avoid emptiness in your life is through Jesus. So I, I want to invite you to think about how generous God has been with you. How generous has God been with you? Moses pushes the question upon us. Do you remember the generosity of God? This table that is behind me is, is a table that Mike talked about as he and I were talking. Is, is, uh, he, he said, I, I want this to be a generous table. And we laughed about it. I said, Mike, you're trying to make a generous table? How does that work? And, and we talked about how when you take all the little pieces and some of the pieces, all of these pieces are pretty ugly when you look at them by themselves. Here's a piece of the wood that's the tabletop. I don't know about you, but if I had this at my house, I'd, I'd say, hey, this go, these go in the fireplace. This will make some great firewood. Oh, there's some glue up here, and here's a piece of sandpaper to remind Remind us of the sanding that happened here. Do you, know that, do you know that you're just like this table? That you are the result of a lot of different pieces. That if you'll allow God to lead your life, God would take all those different pieces and make something incredibly beautiful. Have you been stained by the blood of Jesus? Man, if you've been raised in the church, you may know the answer to that. You may say, oh, yeah, I've been stained by the blood of Jesus. Have you really? Have you really? Or is it just the right answer to the question of whether or not you've been stained? Here's some wood filler. Here, here's the actual hammer that Mike used. I think this, is this a five-pound hammer, Mike? A three-pound hammer. Well, okay, I guess my numbers are a little strange. I was going to say it's a 10-pound hammer. No, it's, it's lighter than that. It's, still, it's a 20-pound hammer. I can't pick this dude up. A three-pound hammer that hammered the metal that you're going to see in just a moment on the ends to, to make it beautiful. And, and, and think about this table and think about the fire that, that helped make this table. Think about your life and how much fire you've experienced in your life. Think about how parched your life has been at different times. Think about how you have felt sanded by God at different times in your life because of circumstances in your life. Think about times where you feel like, man, I've been cut apart. I've had plenty of experiences like that where I feel like, man, I'm being cut down. But the result of it all is if I continue to follow God, something beautiful becomes revealed. Mike, come on up here, would you please? We're going we're gonna to do the reveal right now.
Callie, would you hand him that microphone? Mike, grab that as you're coming by, would you please? So we got the, this is the, the three-pound hammer. I don't want to forget the three-pound hammer. And um, Mike has been so wonderful to invest in this power of God. I, uh, I feel a little bit like Chip and Joanna Gaines right now, huh? <laughs> right? Who? Uh, you're going to be Joanna this time? No, I, I still want to be Chip. Okay. <laughs> Man, okay. All right. I'll be Joanna this time, right? Uh, so let's, let's, let's take a look here, huh? Yeah. We got, uh, Jason took some pictures of the table so you can see it. And after the service is done, you're welcome to come up and, and take a look uh, at it. Uh, but just, just a couple of things. So this top mic is that dunnage, dunnage. right? And uh, it's all been sanded, and it's so incredibly beautiful. And, and the dunnage came from the steel company. This, this wood comes in on laying on 40-foot-long trailers. They lay down these beams, and then they stack their steel on top of the beams. And then they'll put down another layer of beams and another layer of steel. And they, then they go out on the next truck, and they, they go back to some steel manufacturers, so these things may very well have been circulating around for the last 20 years. That's, that's what this is, right? Yeah, that's that, that was Dunnage. Yeah, and, and if, if you come up here and afterwards and see this and see that, you'll say, man, that there's no way this could be that, but hey, it is. Yeah. It's the power of God. I want to also, uh, I know Jason's got a picture of the detail on the ends. Uh, yeah. Uh, Get the, uh, get the one that's, that's got the fish uh, tail on it. Yeah, there we go. Look, look at how, and you saw that in the video, how Mike was pounding it when it got hot to bend it. And it's got, what do you call it, scrolling on the end? Or what is that? Well, it's, uh, it's fluting, I would guess. Fluting, and, and okay. I, and I fluted it with the round edge of that hammer. I flattened it and spread it to where it looked like a fish tail. And then I t called it a cross-peen hammer. And then I turned the hammer and I beat the, the metal to put the flutes in. And, and, and talk about that, that fishtail. Why are there fishtails on this? Well, I, something I thought of this morning is Paul Farmer. And, you know, if you were around Paul Farmer for 12 minutes, you knew that Paul had a great interest in numbers, numbers from the Bible. And he found significance in the number of 12. And the number 12 in the Bible is completeness. And there's 12 of these fish tails, and they could all represent the apostles. And then there's three half laps, one on each end and one in the back, where the, the metal laps together, and we formed it together, and then we riveted it together with a bolt. And that would, in Paul's eyes, probably represent the Trinity, and the three pieces being the two half laps and the rivet that hold it together. And, you, and when you and I were talking, one of the things that came to your memory when we talked about this was... Je Jesus on the beach. Yeah, talk about that. Uh, you know, before Jesus ascended, he returned to the apostles, and, and they were fishing. And while they were fishing, he cooked fish on the beach for the, the 12 apostles, and the other disciples that were there. Too. And, and don't you know that that meal that they had with Jesus on the beach that day was the best meal they had in their entire lives. Jesus fixed fish for them. And, and this table 
uh, will be the table out of which we serve communion. It will serve a variety of purposes as we worship together. But how wonderful that on the ends of this table are these little reminders of the meal that Jesus had with his friends. And we're receiving the bounty of God's love when we take communion together uh, here in a few weeks. It is such a beautiful thing. And I loved what Mike said in the video. He said, if this stays in the house of God, it, it'll be around in 100 years. And, and it, it, it strikes me. Doesn't it strike you that if we stay in the house of God, if you and I don't forget what God has done for us, the beauty of God will forever come out of our lives. Amen. Not just in this life, but in the life that is to come. Amen. What an, what an incredible gift. And we praise God for this and for the way that it reminds us. I, I pray that when you see this table, you'll think about Jesus. And you'll think about how Jesus renews you. And that you'll remember that if you worship God 24-7, that if you invest in God's forgiveness by forgiving others, and that if you invest in being generous, because God has been so generous with you, with all of your life, your relationships, your work, your money, all of your property, whatever it is, everything that you've got, if you'll learn, you and I will learn to be generous, the real beauty will begin to bubble out of your life and mine, and people will be pointed to God. What, what an amazing gift. Can we express thanks to Mike for, for what he's done? Thank you. Amen. Grab, grab somebody's hand. Let's pray, shall we? God, we thank you for the renewal that you give us by the power of Jesus and through your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we thank you for the labor of love that Mike committed uh, in building this table for you so that we might see you more clearly. We thank you for saints like Mike and Linda and, and this room that's filled with other saints, God, who, who help us remember this generous God that we have, that we can walk with and be encouraged by and be held accountable for the work of Jesus in this world. God, we thank you for that gift. We pray that all the days of our lives, God, you would renew us by the power that you've given to us in Jesus. We commit ourselves to him again this day. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And may God's people say amen and amen.